Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Well, we've been um, working through this series on um, 40 Days of Thanks. And, um, you know, there's something about a, a thank you that, that changes circumstances. A few years ago, um, I decided to invest in a new suit. Um, as you can see, I no longer wear a, a, a suit um, to church. Those days are long gone. Uh, I think I was one of the, the last pastors to, to abandon the, um, the suit and tie, but it, it's gone. <laughs> One year at, um, at COC conference, they, um, the pastors um, tied their, their ties around their heads. Uh, I was not involved in that. I, I thought that was a bit um, sacrilegious at the time. But they got me in the end, and the, the tie has gone. But anyway, as a teacher, I still need to wear a, a suit and tie. And um, I invested in this new suit. For many years, I... Um, I wore the, the cheapest of cheap suits, the, the um, 85 pound suits from Slater's, but um, I decided time had come for an upgrade, and um, so I invested a fair bit of money in this um, fancy new suit, and um, this was during a, a holiday. My first day back um, from after the holidays, I was cycling to work as, as usual um, down the, the street opposite the canal, and suddenly this um, small boy launches himself from the pavement in front of my bike. Um, He's trying to cross the road um, and is not looking where he's going. I um, slam on the brakes, take evasive action, and just manage to avoid flattening him in the road. Um, But I don't manage to avoid um, coming off the bike myself. I go flying sideways, uh, land with a crash, and I look down, and my new suit is ripped across the knee. <laughs> Not only that, but um, I have a, a, a... I don't know what it did to my knee. Um, some of the medical folks here might be able to, to tell me. But um, it took about three months to recover, whatever it was, um, some sort of bruising or something. Um, so here I am... Um, lying in the road in pain and I stagger to my feet and the, the boy is um, on the other side of the road at a safe distance <laughs> uh, uh, and he said uh, I didn't do it on purpose <laughs> I, was, I was thinking well I'd have a word with you if, if you had <laughs> um, you know, we, we thank you for, for saving his life. It would have, would have made all the difference. <laughs> I, I don't, don't think it really saved his life, but it's um, being flattened by a bike at 20 miles an hour, and I don't imagine that would be a great deal of fun. I took the fall for him. But, but no thank you. And not only that... Um, Many, many months later, I, um, I passed this boy again. He's, um, he's with a group of friends this time, and they're, um, 
they're walking along the canal bank as I pass by and I hear him saying um, to, to his friends, that's the guy that tried to run me down. <laughs> you know, a thank you makes all the difference, doesn't it? It would have made me feel that I had um, paid the price with, for some purpose. But anyway, God listens when we thank Him. And we've been um, basing this series around Isaiah 61, 11. says, The Sovereign Lord will show His justice to the nations of the world. Everyone will praise Him. His righteousness will be like a garden in early spring, with plants springing up everywhere. And you know, there's a power in praise. There's a, it's part of God's plan that praise springs up. And he's looking for praise to spring up in your life and, and in mine. And we've heard of many aspects of this over the last few weeks about the purpose of thanksgiving and about the power of thanksgiving. And tonight, I want to start off looking at the life of Moses. And this is just to set the scene here. This is Moses' great encounter with God. He's, he's fled from, um, from Egypt. He's living in the desert in a, in a foreign land, but he's pretty much settled there. He's married one of the local girls. He's uh, working for his father-in-law, herding sheep. He's doing pretty well when suddenly one day God turns up. And I don't think the message that God has uh, for Moses is really one that he wanted to hear. Um, God's basically saying, go back to Egypt um, you're the one to lead the people. You're the one to be a, 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 a deliverer. You're the one to be a spokesman. You're the one to, um, to lead them into the promised land. And Moses begins to complain and to bring forth excuses. And we pick up the, the story at the beginning of Exodus chapter 4 when he's in mid-flow of excuses. But Moses protested again. How many know it's not a very wise thing when God's giving you instructions to protest, never mind to protest again. But here he goes. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. Then the Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it, and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Perform this sign, the Lord told him. Then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob really has appeared to you. It's a simple question that God asked Moses, but one with um, profound meaning. What is that in your hand? And um, you can imagine the sort of response that's going through, through Moses' mind. Um, it's a staff. It's a stick. It, I steer sheep with it. It's, it's a piece of wood. I can't deliver a nation with a piece of wood. Moses didn't realize that you can do almost anything with a piece of wood when God's involved. God was going to use that piece of wood to demonstrate his power to the rulers of the greatest empire on earth. But Moses' entire focus during this conversation 
is about what he doesn't have. He's, basically, he goes through one by one. Uh, I don't have a message. I don't have any credibility. I don't have any public speaking s- skills. And um, Moses would probably have gone on ad infinitum if God hadn't stopped him. The, um, later on in this, in this chapter, it says, The anger of the Lord burned against Moses. <laughs> Don't get to that point. (laughs) But God stops him dead. But he could have kept on going. He could have said, I'm not qualified. I've got the wrong experience. I don't have enough money. I don't have the right connections. There are always excuses. But the reality was, he didn't need any of these things. He just needed what was in his hand. But you won't value what's in your hand until you release What's in your heart? And Moses was lacking a crucial revelation here. He didn't understand that thanksgiving comes first, that praise comes before the victory. And God is revealing amazing things to him here in this conversation. He's he's saying, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. You know, Moses was going to become one of the the, the mightiest men in the the history of the the earth. Um, But he's missing the point. He's, He's... thinking that it's all about him, when in reality, it was all about God. And when we get a revelation of the greatness of God, when we understand that his power is limitless, when we realize that that you and I don't need all the resources, that he will supply everything that's lacking, that's when we'll begin to praise. And our praise will lead us into the breakthrough. And there's a real contrast I reckon between the, the, the life of Moses, or at this point anyway, and what we see in the life of Jesus. And we're jumping forward here, hundreds and hundreds of years, um, to Mark chapter 6, and we see Jesus. And Jesus also is lacking. Jesus also doesn't have the resources that he needs. He's got this crowd, 5,000 people, or 5,000 men rather, plus women and children, And um, the disciples are saying, how can you possibly feed these guys? And Jesus says this, Mark chapter 6. How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. And notice here, Jesus didn't pray for more loaves. He didn't pray for more fish. He simply gave thanks to God for what he had. And he's not standing there thinking... Oh no, there isn't enough. He's not wondering which supermarket he can call up to supply all the food that's needed. He knows who God is and he's simply expressing his thanks for it. So often there's a need in our life and we're so focused on the need that when we pray it's all about the need and we forget what we have. There's nothing wrong with praying for needs do. But that isn't what Jesus did here. And it shouldn't be our number one priority. 
Jesus gave thanks to God for what he had. And a miracle followed. Jesus valued what was in his hand because he released what was in his heart. What's in your hand? What can you thank God for today? Often we're, we're much more aware of what we don't have than what we do. But take a moment to think, what is in your hand? It may seem woefully inadequate for the task you've been given. And, you know, we, like Moses, we can run through all the excuses, all the reasons why we can't break through. And I'm, I'm not talking about, about feeble excuses. You know, we all know the feeble excuses. Um, oh, I'm a bit tired. I'm a bit busy. Uh, I, I just don't feel led. <laughs> you know, we can do much better than that. We can come up with real reasons genuine reasons why we, why we can't complete the task. You know, there, there isn't enough money. I don't have the skills. I don't have the equipment. And they all may be absolutely true from a natural viewpoint. But when we speak them out, it shows that we're neglecting what we already have. We're neglecting what we have in our hand. You've got something. I guarantee you've got something. Because God always gives you something. And so often we underestimate what he's given us. We underestimate that starting point. Five loaves and two fish became the seed that produced a mighty harvest. And the key to making the seed grow was thanksgiving. Jesus took what he had. He took the loaves. He took the fish. He thanked God. And a miracle was released. Abundance for all the people. Thanksgiving transformed the circumstances. You see, praise is often the key which opens the door. Thanksgiving is often the missing piece of the jigsaw. And we prefer to praise once the door is open. We prefer to praise once the battle's won, once the the victory's secure, once we've experienced the breakthrough, once the mountain's moved, once the, the wall is broken down. But that isn't what God asks us to do. He asks us to thank Him first. Look at this in Psalm 67. It says, May the nations praise you, O God. Yes, may all the nations praise you. Then the earth will yield its harvests, and God, our God, will richly bless us. Yes, God will bless us, and people all over the world will fear him. Notice the sequence here. May the nations praise you, O God. Then... The earth will yield its harvests. Thanks comes before harvest. Praise comes before breakthrough. Thanksgiving is a choice which positions us to receive from God. It enables us to see things differently. You'll value what you have in your hand when you release what you have in your heart. When you take those, those five loaves, those two fish as Jesus did, and you simply give thanks to God for what you have and believe Him for the breakthrough. I'd been um, working as a supply teacher for a number of years um, when we lived back in Ayrshire, and I'd finally got to the point where I was working um, full-time in one school. I had a a full-time temporary contract. And this post was going to be advertised as a permanent post, and I was determined to get that job and 
I, I read up all the stuff. I, I did a, a mock interview with the deputy head teacher. I, I prepared all my answers. I um, really got stuck into it because I, I needed that job. We had spent years struggling. We were finally at, at a point where I was getting a decent income to support the family. And um, I, was, I was determined to, to get that post. I went for interview. The interview went really well. All the questions I'd anticipated came up. The, the, I, I answered um, exactly what I prepared. But they gave the job to somebody else. And, you know, it, when that happens, it, it feels like all the wind has been taken out of your sails. It feels like someone's thumped you and um, you're down. I was um, sitting at my desk um, immediately afterwards. Um, just, uh, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't depressed, but uh, I felt like um, life had dealt me a blow. Have you ever felt like that? And to, to top it all, as I'm sitting there thinking, um, in comes the lady who got the job. And <laughs> she, she obviously thought this would be helpful to me. She, but she, she starts explaining that, um, how she's been teaching much longer than me and um, how she... Really, really it's, um, it's, it's her that deserved the job um, because she's been teaching so much longer. And I'm sitting there thinking... Uh, your husband has a, a really well-paid job. Your family is already provided for. Um, my income is about to have here. Um, so I didn't say any of that, but that's what was, that was what was going through my head. Anyway, I took a decision at that point. I'm not going to get miserable. I'm not going to get down. I am going to praise God anyway. And... Um, it was a tough time for us, but I, I continued to praise God. I continued to thank Him. I continued to believe Him uh, for our future. The week before the, the job was about to end, it was, I was about to get um, uh, uh, given a, a half-time post, um, which was obviously half the income as well. The deputy head teacher calls me in, and he says, Look, we've got this other job um, going. It's in the support for learning department. Uh, we can't get a support for learning teacher, um, so would you like it? And I had had no interest in support for learning up until that point, um, but I, I needed the money, so I said, yes, please. And I continued to praise God anyway. Um, it seemed decidedly, at, at that point, it seemed decidedly a third best option, but it was, it was an income um, so I praise God for that. But do you know, once that job was in my hand, it um, proved to be the key that opened the door to the future. Uh, I got stuck into that job. I, I soon found that my whole focus was shifting from biology teaching um, to support for learning. Um, there was no um, head of department there at that time so I found myself um, basically stepping into that, that role and um, that was the, the key that opened the door to, to my permanent post in Inverness in the future and you know I praise God for that but I couldn't have seen that there's no way I could have foreseen that course of events there's no way I could have seen what would happen and God, God doesn't expect us to see the future 
All he expects us to do is to praise him in the difficult circumstances and trust him for the future. Um, Because I valued what was in my hand. Because I released what was in my heart. David faced Goliath with five stones from the riverbed. And he stood there and he declared his confidence in God. And everybody else thought that he was lacking because he didn't have the sword and he didn't have the spear and he didn't have the armor on. But David had all he needed. Those five stones and the, and the slingshot, that was all he needed. He valued what was in his hand because he released what was in his heart. And as he stood there that day and, and expressed his confidence in God, he, um, you know, God took those five stones and he worked a miracle that delivered a nation. And sometimes it's tough to praise God. I'm not saying I find this easy. I, I still, um, you know, when we go through struggles, it's, it's still a, a tough decision to, to praise God anyway. But it's well worth it. It's, it can be a sacrifice. Praise can be a sacrifice. The Bible talks about that in, in Hebrews 13, 15. It says, Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to His name. What is a sacrifice? A sacrifice is something which costs us. And in the tough times, when the pressure's on, when the heat is turned up all around me, it's going to cost me to praise. But that's what I'm called to do nonetheless. It's tough It'll take some effort. There'll be some pain to push through. It is absolutely the last thing at times like that that we feel like doing. But at those times, I'm called to get the focus off me. I'm called to to get the focus off my circumstances and to get it on to God because it's not about me at times like that. I don't have to work it all out. I don't have to, to gather all the resources and say, now I can conquer the world. All I have to do is to value what is in my hand as I release what is in my heart. And it's praise that's the key. It's praise that brings the miracle. It's praise that brings the transformation. Because when I see afresh the greatness of God, when I see that that He's got it all, so I don't need to have it all, then I'll begin to praise. Then I'll begin to thank Him. I'll begin to value what's in my hand as I release what's in my heart. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.